Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Russell Johnson joins us today as we talk about Georgia Tech. Tech, of course, the number two seed in the Nashville Regional. Russell appears on our guest line, which is brought to you by Scott and Missy Tannen at Bowling Branch. I've slept on Bowling Branch sheets for, I think it's been seven years now, and since I tried Bowling Branch sheets, I've not slept on anything else. All you have to do to see why that is the case is try them yourself, and guess what? You can do that. You can even get $50 off by entering the promo code VANDY when you go to bowlingbranch.com. You may be thinking, well, what if I don't like them? Well, you get 30 days, and if you don't like them within that span, you can send them back. But it's going to be a waste of time for me to tell you that because you're going to love them. And every time you wash them, they get more comfortable. They are made with 100% organic cotton. That is rain-fed. I don't know why that makes a difference, but it does. Try them for yourself. Go to bowlingbranch.com today and thank those guys for being supporters for many years now of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Today's news presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at SB Injury Law, and please tell them you heard about them on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Vanderbilt opens the Nashville Regional, at least it's part of it, 6 o'clock Friday night. That's Central Time, that game on the SEC Network. You will see Kumar Rocker pitching for the Commodores against Presbyterian. Russell Johnson joins us today as we talk Nashville Regional Baseball. Russell is the managing editor at Jackets Online. That is our companion site for Georgia Tech at the Rivals Network. Russell, thanks for joining us at what is really going to be, I think, a very fun time of the year. Yes, uh, this is uh, this is one of the, the best times of the year and you know, something that last year was kind of taken away from us. So this year should be extra special. Give us some background on Georgia Tech this season. Did Tech meet expectations? You know, what's the mood of things going into Nashville? So, you know, early on in the season, the, the team started out hot, uh, really hot, I believe. You know, they found themselves in the, the top five and in, in a lot of polls. Uh, they, then they had a quite a long streak of, of series wins going into the season uh, but then once that kind of fell they snapped that streak uh, and then they hit a little bit of a lull in the, the middle of the season and a lot of people were considering them a bubble team uh, they fell out of all of the polls they still haven't really found their way back into the polls but then uh, you know towards the end of the season they they kind of found themselves uh, they they were missing uh, Marquise Grissom Jr all the season up until uh, about a month before the ACC tournament started and, you know, him coming back and the, the reshuffling in the bullpen and the back end really kind of helped stabilize everything. And they, they started to gain momentum. Uh, you know, as you, you probably know, they, they swept the two game series with, with UGA, which was big. Um, they, they won the UNC series, which they needed to do to win the coastal. And, you know, the ACC tournament wasn't exactly the performance there wasn't, impressive but I feel like they did enough to where fans are going into this expecting them to beat Indiana State tomorrow. 
Do you know how old I felt when you just said Marquise Grissom Jr.? <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah, well, and I'll, I'll give you one worse. Is, is Andrew Jones's kid is supposed to, to come to Vanderbilt, I think, in a couple of years, although I have some doubts about that. I haven't kept up with the draft angle recently, but he's, he's pretty highly touted. But, man, that is, that is a blast from the past. Absolutely. Oh, man, and Andrew Jones and Marquise Grissom. That's, uh, that, was, that was quite a tandem. It, it was. Um, let, let's talk. Um, you talked about the end of Tech season and that fans were a little bit more optimistic. What did they see in the ACC tournament that gave them that feeling? Uh, well, you know, they, they got to see uh, Kevin Parada, the, the freshman sensation, they, they like to say, at catcher. Uh, they, they got to see him get kind of back into his, his groove. You know, at one point, the first about, I think, month and a half to two months of the season, he was batting over 400 and, and was really on everybody's radar as like the freshman of the year and, and was getting all of the accolades. Um, and then he kind of slowed down and, and picked back up, kind of like everybody would have expected for a, a true freshman. Um, but they saw that. Um, then you know, the way that the lineup had been kind of set up was that he was going to be batting. Um, they, they, they batted him all over the place. And, and when that happened, they didn't really have any type of chemistry in terms of the lineup, uh, but they seem to really have settled in on it now with, you know, the shortstop Luke Waddell leading off uh, and then Justin Henry Malloy, who I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, you know, batting in a cleanup spot and it, it's just really stabilized things. And then you know, when you get to the pitching, you, you see that, you know, Brent Herter uh, has really shown his stuff and is, is fully healthy coming off of an injury, which took away his, which would have taken away his entire season last year, um, you know, with that. And then, you know, like, like I talked about Grissom Jr. Really being able to, to get some innings and to take that, take hold of that third starter spot. Uh, the third start, starter spot started with Sam Crawford early in the season. Uh, you know, it was kind of like a, a case by case basis. Uh, you know, he had a couple good starts, had a couple really bad starts. And then, you know, once Grissom made his debut, uh, from then on, it was really his spot, and you know, counting on him on a Sunday in an ACC series uh, was was something that Hall could count on, and Burrell, the pitching coach, could count on, and it, it played a really big factor into the the confidence of the team, especially you know when they were going into rubber match rubber matches on Sundays where they were trying to win a series. I was looking, and I'm trying to find the stats on their media release, and I'm not immediately coming to them, but. When I looked, just glancing at the schedule, at the games that were played at Rush Chandler Field, I've, I've been there. It was back in 06 when Vanderbilt played a regional there, and I remember the ball really carried out to right center. Now, part of that was Georgia Tech's lineup was just <laughs> one power guy after another, and that had something to do with it. But it was, when I look at the the home games that were played there, it just seems to me that that really very much played as a, as a hitter's park. Is that – representative of, of how it was there yes that's uh that's, that's very accurate uh, there's some some days where you know early on in the game the you're getting a lot of fly balls and then the eighth and ninth inning roll around and the lights are on and all of a sudden you've got you get four home runs in an inning and yeah I, I would definitely say it's a it's a hitter's park well and and I look down and I look up you know Tech's given up 338 runs and that's a lot when you play 52 games and and I look at that and I wonder teams like that a lot of times have trouble making it through a regional because you, you run out of pitching 
And I'm just wondering how you think Tech's game, especially on the hill, translates to Hawkins Field, which is 310 to left with the 35-foot wall. The alleys are 375. It's 400 to center. Uh, there's not a lot of foul territory there, so that helps the hitters a bit. But certainly I would think that some balls that get out at, at Tech won't at Vanderbilt, although that said, uh, sometimes Vanderbilt's got a little bit of a wind tunnel itself going out to right and right center. But but it's not Russ Chandler. And I'm wondering, in, in kind of a more normal park, what does Tech's pitching look like? You know, that's that's really, a, a honestly, a good question because, you know, the two main starters, the Friday and Saturday starter, Brent Herter and Andy Archer, both gave up nine home runs during the season each. And, and really, at, at times, it, it seemed kind of struggled because those would come at inopportune times, you know. Um, a, a lot of the issues with the with the starting rotation was these guys were getting into the sixth inning, late fifth inning, and we're, we're possibly pitching, you know, maybe a batter too many or, or maybe an inning too much. Um, it, and that was due to uh, a, a lack of, of depth in the, the rotation and, and the bullpen. Uh, but, you know, talking about playing in, in that park, uh, you know, I could see Herter being able to get six, six-ish innings out of him on, on Friday against Indiana State. Uh, but in terms of what the rest of the rotation is going to look like, especially if they do end up matching with Vanderbilt. I think that's really where the questions come because, you know, Archer had some, some really good starts where he was getting like averaging about maybe nine or eight, eight strikeouts a game. I mean, that's nothing compared to, to Rocker and Lighter, but you had that. And then you also had ones where he could go two and a third innings and give up five runs. So, you know, the lack of a second tier pitcher, uh, could hurt them, but like you said, playing in a more neutral park uh, is a big deal as well. Well, and they're going to throw Herder against Indiana State, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, and Indiana State's got a stud of its own in Jeremy Guerrero, so that's going to be one of those that the team that loses that, there's a pretty significant drop-off between there and the rest. That's one where like you've really got to pull out all the stops to win because you sure don't want to be going against Vanderbilt. I'm just going to presume Vanderbilt beats Presbyterian, which is one of the worst teams in the field. Uh, T- Tim Corbin would, would uh, probably, well, not probably, would definitely push back against that. But I, I think that in all likelihood is what's going to happen. So I think that game one is really important. I think the issue for whoever's left over is to think the drop-off, and this is not unusual in college baseball, but the drop-off from one to two seems to be pretty significant for them, as you said. Yes. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Now, has, uh, has Vanderbilt announced his pitching? Vanderbilt's going to throw Rocker against Presbyterian, and so Tech or Indiana State's going to see Jack Leiter. Gotcha. That's, uh, that's smart. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk early in the week, you know, when the field was announced that it was possible that Georgia Tech would try, if they could, to save Herter and use him later in the week. Um, but like you said, you know, starting the, the regional 0-1, I think it's everybody's worst nightmare. This season of the podcast made possible by our title sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. Jody is one of the finest dentists in Nashville. In fact, he is the dentist of the stars. I'm talking rock stars, movie stars, coaches, athletes of all sorts. People go to Jody Jones for quality service. And when you get there, you've never seen a dentist's office like this one. It is really a spy-like atmosphere, you will feel at home immediately. 
Whether you need cosmetic or general dentistry services, Jody Jones can take care of you at 55 Music Square East. Stop in, see him. Thank you for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast. And by the way, talk Commodore Sports with him while you're there. He is a former Commodore football player and a huge booster of Vanderbilt athletic teams. Well, what's it look for, like for them, you know, say you, you get deeper into a 3-4-5? Um, are there any surprises out there? You know, you look at the stat sheet, but sometimes that doesn't tell the story because you got kids that come on late in the season or freshmen who figure out. I'm just curious if there's sort of a, a sleeper out there for Tech because once you get into Sundays, everybody starts to run a little thin on pitching, and, and that's where sometimes, like I saw it in 2013, uh, Tech got Vanderbilt on Sunday night to stretch that to Monday, and Vandy won anyway. But I remember Tech threw a kid, and I don't remember. I think it was, I don't think it was Buck Farmer. I think he threw earlier in the series, but they, they threw a kid uh, that I think shut them out on Sunday night. So every now and then somebody's got a, an ace in waiting out there. Is there one of those for Georgia Tech? So you know the one that they used in the uh, the bullpen games quite a bit and, and got some good innings. I uh, was was lefty Josiah Siegel, and you know he he impressed. Uh, you know it, it, he wasn't playing against the Vanderbilts of the world, but you know the ACC isn't exactly you know, murderers row. Um, but he was able to to pitch some innings and, and get them out. Uh, I thought he he did well. I would I don't know if I'd call him a sleeper, uh, but he's somebody that you know if they do get to a Sunday or or even a Monday, uh, that he would be able to to get some innings. Um, and then also another name that's going to make you feel pretty old probably is uh, is freshman Dawson Brown. Um, Dawson has is a, is a right-handed pitcher, which is really a rarity in their bullpen. Uh, it's just something that doesn't really get talked about enough is just how left-handed heavy that pen is. Um, but but Dawson is someone who they can count on for at least an inning, if not more. Um, he really came on early in the season, started to to show some really good stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of limiting the walks. And, and really, that's the story of, of the, the 2021 season for Georgia Tech is is limiting walks. I looked that up. I was like, I bet you that's Kevin Brown's kid, and it is, uh, which brings back bad memories. I remember going down to Atlanta. Gosh, this would have been 98 or 99 and watching Kevin Brown to hit the Braves in the playoffs when he was a Padre. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, thanks for bringing that up uh, as a Braves fan. But um, seriously, <laughs> I, I do want to ask you, Chance Huff, a kid did. I remember when he got to Vandy, Vanderbilt's playing Virginia in its regional, or not regional, in its season opener out in Arizona in, in, in 2019. And it's about the sixth inning, Vanderbilt's up a few runs, and they bring Huff in in the spot uh, where they let him go a couple innings. And when you see Tim Corbin throw a freshman in a spot like that, on a on a season opener, uh, you know, primetime game, that kind of thing that was nationally televised, you sit up and take notice. I would have thought that career would have gone differently. Instead, here he is in his third year in college pitching at Georgia Tech or, or maybe not pitching at Georgia Tech. But from looking at it on paper, same thing in play that, that kind of undid him at Vandy. It appears to be the inability to throw strikes. Where is Chance Huff in his progression at Tech? Yeah, I think you, you you really kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, he he's really struggled with that throughout the season. Um, and then you know when he does throw strikes, you know, it's he's not really the command is still not fully there to where he can 
Like the catcher can give him a spot. And more often than not, that spot's not going to be where the ball ends up. And, and sometimes the ball ends up right in the middle of the strike zone instead. So you may, you may have an outing where you're not walking anybody like he, like he did against UNC, but you're still giving up a lot of runs. You're still giving up two runs. You're still giving up a run to Louisville because like you're, you're not hitting your spots. And if you're not hitting your spots and you're not walking people, you're more than, more than likely giving up a lot of contact and a lot of heavy contact was what really kind of undid him uh, or did him in early in the season. Um, and then really had a, a stretch where he was pretty strong. Um, but then, you know, it, it's just so the consistency really isn't there yet. I think that's really the, the way to put it. And, you know, of the two transfers from Vanderbilt that Georgia Tech was able to get going into the season, uh, there, there were high expectations for Chance Huff. And, and there were there were some good expectations for, for Malloy. But if you would have told me, you know, going into the season that Malloy was going to outdo Huff the way that he did, I, w- I really couldn't believe you or really be able to explain it. Well, Malloy, when he came to Vanderbilt – there's always a couple freshmen that start to get buzz as, okay, this guy may break through amidst a bunch of veterans and play because he's that good. And I think that's what they thought of him. And then for whatever reason, second year, it just didn't happen. Um, you know, and you can get lost in the shuffle at Vanderbilt really quickly. Of course, he plays third. They had a kid named Austin Martin who, if you follow college baseball, you know he's now in the Blue Jays system, and that was that. So I'm not shocked to see Justin Henry Malloy hit the way he has. Uh, it, it just appears to me that I think if you'd said a couple of years ago, these are the numbers Justin Henry Malloy is putting up, I don't think anybody in the Vanderbilt camp would be surprised. Now, the fielding, uh, boy, that, that's been – you know, not not so good with an 8.53 fielding percentage, but I think the bat is what people expected of him when he arrived in Nashville. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, he had a stretch uh, during the season where he was he was really in his own head and, and really kind of in a slump, um, both at the plate and in the field. I think there was one series. I gotta I gotta look to make sure I'm saying this right. Yeah, it was the Virginia series. He had seven errors in three games, and, and that was really the the point to where everybody was starting to kind of question it because he went into that series with batting three thirty eight, and and next thing you know he's leaving he's almost under three hundred, so you know things like that really shifted, and, and that was the point of the season where, you know it could have gone one or one or the other way. I believe he may have gotten a day off in a midweek or something like that, or they may have switched him in the lineup. Um, and then the, the confidence really came back. Um, and, you know, he's, he's carried this team. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little surprising to see him being the, the leader in terms of, you know, RBIs and home runs. That's something that, you know, someone who watched most of the season really wouldn't be able to tell you unless they looked at the numbers. Um, but it, his leadership on the team, both on the field and off, has really, really helped this season. Luke Waddell's one of their stars, too. I think that, gosh, I want to, I hope this is right from memory. I, I think that um, baseball, not baseball America, D1 listed him as, as maybe the best hitter or one of the best hitters in this series. Tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah, so so Waddell, uh, you know, the, the biggest surprise anytime you're watching Georgia Tech baseball is when you see him walking away from the batter's box with, with a strikeout in his hand. 
because you know he, he struck out 16 times and, and 211 abs and, and that that's really even a little bit higher than what it normally would be for him um he's, he's patient at the plate i mean he's he's everything that any college team would really look for in a uh, a leadoff hitter uh, you know he sets the table he's patient uh, he really made good contact too because for for a while there he was batting closer to 260 270 and now he's he's up over 300 heading into nashville so you know like, like i said he's he's come into his own and, and really stepped up um, there was one game with him as well where things kind of he had a, a crossroads where he was batting outside of the leadoff spot for the first time in what i believe was over over two years and everybody was starting to worry about him uh, you know he had had some errors in the field as well this season really early on he was struggling but you know he rebounded he found himself and, and got back to it well those three hitters are a lot to worry about give me give me one more name of a guy that, that Vanderbilt fans need to be watching this weekend oh um I would have to go Drew Compton um Drew, Drew Compton has, has flashed the power that you know, everybody knows he has uh, he second on the team with nine homers uh, really I mean if you're playing in, in a park like Vanderbilt uh, he, he's got the chance to actually have the power to hit one out um, you know he I believe he hit two home runs in a, in a game earlier this season um, really a good patient at the plate somebody who would normally bat higher in a lineup but the way that Danny Hall has it set up uh, you know he's got Compton batting in the, the lower third and and that's really been good for him and been good for the lineup to kind of give like a, a second burst of energy going before you get to the you know the eight and nine hitters. Russell, one thing that you'll see with Vanderbilt probably pretty quickly is Vanderbilt's got a kid named Enrique Bradfield Jr. who was uh, today, I think, named second team All-American. He's a true freshman. He's probably the fastest kid in college baseball. And last I checked, he leads the country in steals. Tech is 55 of 67 in terms of, I think, throwing runners out this year. How easy is that staff and that catching battery to, to steal against? Have they had issues with that, or has that been something where they're they're okay at holding runners on? So a lot of the issue with, with Georgia Tech and stolen bases this year in terms of allowing them was that was it coming off of, you know, wild pitches, pass balls, and, you know, a lot of times the, the catcher wasn't, able to fully get in position before throwing and, and that could lead to an error. I uh, saw that happen in, in Charlotte actually. Um, so, so, you know, I wouldn't exactly say they're, they're easy to steal on. I mean, Parada does have a very strong arm. Um, it's just a matter of, it, it seemed like teams really timed and, you know, were able to get a good jump and, and based off of that, and then the, the location of the pitches more often than not, uh, they were able to, to get to second or third and before the throw was made. Anything else about this Tech team that stands out uh, that we didn't get into? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, a, a real X factor for, for Georgia Tech, you know, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times, uh, especially for a matchup against Vanderbilt, would have to be playing a clean game defensively. Um, you know, these pitchers, uh, other than Brant Herter and, and possibly Andy Archer if he has a good day, uh, they're, they're not these strikeout pitchers who are going to strike out, you know, 15 or, or 16, like, you know, some of the, the Vanderbilt pitchers have. They're, they're going to pitch the contact. And when they pitch the contact, they have to be able to 
rely on the the field to you know be clean and not have errors. Uh, there was a game earlier this season where Georgia Tech blew. Uh, cover your ears, Georgia Tech fans listening to this. I believe it was a seven-run lead in the ninth inning where they just could not field fly balls. Uh, they were messing up ground balls. It was it was really hard to watch, I'm sure, for fans. Um, so I would say that, that would be the, the real X factor because, you know, there are times where they could go two or three-game stretches with maybe one error, but then there were also series where they were getting into the double digits. Russell, appreciate your time tonight. You've given us a write-up on Georgia Tech for the Nashville Regional. I've, I've given you some content on Vanderbilt that you guys can take a look at. I think we're working on one for Indiana State. I got one for Presbyterian. So if you're interested in the Nashville Regional, you can get that content free either at my site, VandySports.com, or at Russell's, which is JacketsOnline.com, uh, which you and good buddy of mine, Kelly Quinlan, one of the, the best guys in the business, run together. Tell folks about your coverage coming up this weekend of the National Regional, if you would, please. Yes, so uh, you can follow us online at uh, JacketsOnline on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is, is at RivalsJohnson. Uh, we'll have full coverage of the – you know, pregame, postgame, in-game, and uh, it should be should be fun. All right, thanks a bunch, Russell, and we look forward to uh, just hey, I'm I'm just glad to have a week in a baseball after last year. Maybe it's a great weekend, maybe it's not, but I think when baseball's involved, it, it, it's hard to beat. So, anyway, thank you for joining us today. Yes, thanks for having me. All right, he's Russell Johnson of Jackets Online. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again with more episodes next week.